Welcome to Everyday Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Cynthia Thurlow. This podcast is designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to achieve your health and wellness goals. My goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and conversations from leaders in the health and wellness industry each week and impact over a million lives. Today, I had the honor of reconnecting with Dave Asprey. He is the renowned father of biohacking and a New York Times bestselling author. We had a no-nonsense conversation about his newest book, Smarter, Not Harder, which quite honestly, it's I think my very favorite of all of his books. We dove deep into the impact of the pandemic, the art and science of environment, the role of the laziness principle, as well as homeostasis, the concept of slope of the curve thinking, the role of anti-nutrients, including phytic acid, conventional chicken and dairy, the biohacking pathway, the impact of rehit, which is a specific type of exercise, as well as other cellular hacks, including hypoxification and specialized breathing. I did ask him about his favorite supplements, and I think you'll be surprised as well as the role of trauma as it pertains to becoming a more efficient human. I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Dave as much as I did recording it. So let's really start from the beginning. The last three years have impacted every person that's listening to this podcast and every person that's out there pretty profoundly. And did you get the idea to write the book, you know, during the, I don't want to say the heyday of the pandemic or the insanity of the pandemic, however you'd like to reframe it. What was the impetus? Why this book now is what I'm asking. The ideas behind Smarter, Not Harder have been percolating for actually since the start of biohacking, where the original definition when I was was creating this movement, it was the art and science of changing the environment around you and inside of you so that you have full control of your own biology. And all of the things that I'm writing about in Smarter Not Harder are different ways of getting a very precise signal into your body to make it do what you want, which allows you to save a huge amount of time and energy, which kind of goes against our societal programming, which is like, you really have to have grit and suffer and struggle. And if you just feel enough pain and overcome it with willpower, you'll get results. And it turns out that's not really how it works. You might exercise your willpower that way, which is good. A grit is important, but like you shouldn't waste your grit. You could use your grit on stuff that matters instead of like, you know, I could have just cooked my food on the stove, but that wasn't good enough. So I got an exercise bike and I pedaled really hard to heat my food up. And and you're like, okay, like if that's your thing, but we're doing this all the time because we just don't know any better. Maybe not that exact example, but things almost as bad. And so I want a world where people have enough free time and peace to be at full power because when we're at full power we're nicer to each other and the weird thing is we become very dangerous and dangerous people i mean who knows what they might do they might be hard to program they might not be just responsive to things that don't require much energy to believe and in smarter not harder i actually talk about how we can prove using neuroscience for a third of a second all the time there's something else inside of you that's in charge of you it's kind of scary And if you're 18 listening to this, it's actually only a quarter second where it's in charge. And if you're, you know, an average age and average brain, it's about 350 milliseconds. And if you're starting to get towards Alzheimer's or dementia, it might be 400 milliseconds. So we have this window where some other jerk is in charge. And that jerk is like, lay on the couch, 
you know, don't do anything hard. And it turns out thinking about stuff is really hard. So if you really want to ponder something, you sit down, you get out a journal, you sit in a chair and you just might sit there for like a couple hours and just really like think through all the different things if you can do it without getting bored. Well, it turns out your body doesn't like that. What it likes to do is jump to conclusions because it takes less electricity to jump to conclusions and it's so afraid you'll run out of electricity. And the worst your food is, the more ultra processed, plant-based, nonsense marketing food you eat, the more toxins you have, the harder it is to have enough energy to think. So you become very programmable. So the reason that I wanted to release the book now was that Upgrade Labs is franchising. This is my company where I've done eight years of work to be ready to write the book. And this is now a franchise. Anyone can open a biohacking lab now. Go to ownandupgradelabs.com. We'll talk about that some more. But I'm like, okay, now we know how to do it. So let's turn everyone's power back on. And that's also why my newest coffee company called Danger Coffee is named that. It's like, who knows what you might do? You, know, you might ask that person out. You might get a raise. You know, you might do something really big in the world that's been percolating, but you didn't have the spark to do it. Well, let's turn the spark back on. And that's why I wrote the book now, because I think people need to read Smarter Not Harder, because when you do it, you're just going to discover, oh, my God, you might be ungovernable. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I enjoyed was that it was very much focused on empowering people, giving them good information that they could was tangible. And there's a range of options for recommendations, which I loved as well. And I love that you kind of talked about this laziness principle, because it is a kind of a key theme that <laughs> runs throughout the book. And, you know, for me, being married to an engineer, there's a lot of efficiency in my life. You know, it's been a byproduct of being partnered with my husband for over 20 years. He's all about efficiency. And that's a lot of what this book is kind of touching on is there's a more efficient way to live your life where there's less friction, a little bit more flow, if you will. It's funny because efficiency doesn't ever push a button for anyone except engineers, probably like your husband or like me. <laughs> efficient, like, do you ever wake up in the morning today? I want to be efficient. Like, no, <laughs> efficiency isn't sexy. It's not powerful. It's not fun. But when you think about it, do you want to be free today? Like, do you want to be powerful today? Well, the way you get those things is by moving labor out of your mind and body to other things so that you have freedom to do what you want instead of what you have to do. And so efficiency, it turns out, is really sexy, but it's not branded properly. So we don't call it that. I like to call it freedom. I think that's a very important concept, especially given the landscape of the last three years without getting super tied into that narrative. Now, let's shift a little bit and talk about the role of homeostasis. So I think for a lot of my listeners, they're familiar with the term hormesis and homeostasis. But it's really all speaking about the health of our mitochondria and doing things that positively or negatively impact this. I think for a lot of individuals, they don't realize that it's not normal to be really, really tired all the time, but that has kind of been the given. Like more often than not, when people reach out to us on social media, you know, they can't get out of bed, their sleep is terrible, they're just exhausted all the time. And it's not right. just for women, it's also for men. It's become the norm. I'm an early adopter. So in my mid-20s, I had chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, arthritis. I weighed 300 pounds, high risk of stroke and heart attack. And I remember very much what it's like to sit there and you feel like you're in a car and you're pushing the accelerator all the way to the floor and you're just slowing down. And you can push harder, but there's nothing left when you push. Nothing happens. And it's this feeling of kind of desperation, of helplessness, and you hide it because 
we're wired as primates to just not show weakness. So there's a huge number of people who are just barely putting one foot in front of the other and no one knows. So you're not alone if that's happening. I remember I was doing that and I'd get home at the end of the day. I didn't even know how I drove home. I had no recollection of it. And my career's taking off in Silicon Valley. I'm a very successful person and I was just hiding it and I would fake it. And when I launched my really big company, um, Bulletproof, one of my board members wrote a blog post on Medium and it's one of my first investors, a, a good friend. And he said, I'm a high powered Silicon Valley VC. Every day I have crippling fatigue and I can barely make it through the day no matter what I do. And I've been hiding it forever. And one of the reasons that they invested is he said, after the first 30 days of trying what Dave told me to do, yes, including butter and coffee, he said, for the first time in my adult life, since I was 17, at the end of the day, I had energy all day long. And he, he said, I, I got my BMW and I started crying. Like that kind of, okay, this is like a high powered VC. It's everybody. And you can't tell because we don't show it because we put on our game face. And that is one of the reasons I do everything I do. I'm not going back to that. I don't want anyone else to live through what I went through. I just think if I was 20 and I had the knowledge that's in my books, would my life have been way different? Yeah, in a good way. And so when you read Smarter Not Harder, by now you've probably figured out there's gonna be a bunch of hacks in there, and there are. And you don't have to do all of them. This is the other problem. Like people, can get like almost orthorexic, which is when oh, I have to only eat the right foods or otherwise I'm a bad person. I have to do every biohack on the planet or I'm a bad person. That's just weird and it's not healthy. And if you're doing that, you've got to deal with whatever kind of trauma is causing your perfection. What I want you to do and what I'm teaching you to do in Smarter Not Harder is to be precise about things, not perfect. So precise means let's pick a goal. Like Cynthia, okay, if you woke up in the morning and you're one of the rare people who said, today I want to be healthy today. Well, then most people don't say that. But if that was the top ask for the day, how would you measure it? Like, what would healthy mean to you? Me personally? Yeah. You know, I think for me, because I very much love my aura ring. So one of the first things I do in the morning is I check my data, how much REM, how much deep sleep, how do I feel? Because sometimes they don't correlate. But for me, that's like the first thing I'm thinking about. But it's also exercise, it's connection to nature, it's hydration. I mean, really basic things. It's fasting, all of which kind of fit into my healthy bucket. But much to your point, I'm definitely one of those people. I don't have to do all those things every single day. I mean, that's just a starting point, but it's a starting point. Most listeners though, yes, I want healthy, but I don't want it with a burning desire to want it more than I want a cheeseburger or sex or a raise. But let's just face it. Like those are the things that our bodies tell us to think about before healthy. But what you can do when you read Smarter Not Harder is you realize that there's five main components that people are really asking for in different ratios. There's like, there's a recipe for you. And I learned this because eight years ago, underneath Arnold Schwarzenegger's office in Santa Monica, I opened Upgrade Labs. And this was where I would take a million dollars worth of gear that I've used to upgrade my own biology to learn all these principles and made it available to the public. And it spawned the creation of the biohacking lab industry. There's a bunch of kind of small mom and pops um, who are looking to do something similar. But after eight years of doing this and spending more than $10 million on R&D, <laughs> we got to the point where I understand it now. And I can run it as a business that helps people and actually is a profitable business. And that's why it's a franchise now. Like you can literally open one anywhere. And this year we have dozens of them opening across the country or at least in the process of opening. I can't tell you the exact dates because of regulatory stuff, but basically it's happening. So you should be able to go out and go to a facility and get some help with this. But if you don't, 
everything in the book is organized by what's your goal? And I'll tell you the five goals in a sec. And then if this is your top goal, what's your second goal? Because let's focus on those instead of trying to do everything all the time. And the worst thing you could ever do is say, I want to put on muscle mass and run a marathon. Like those don't go together. And you could put a huge amount of willpower in and just get overtrained and injured, but not build muscle or even much cardiovascular because you're working against yourself. So here's the five things that people ask for in some amount. And there's going to be one top goal for you. And I'm working on a quiz that'll go up on DaveAsprey.com. And it's one that to help you identify this because it's very hard. Okay. Some people, they want muscle. Pretty straightforward. Okay. Like I want to, you know, have whatever guns or I want abs or I want to add three pounds of muscle or something. That, that's an actual fitness goal, not necessarily even a health goal, but it's a good one because it's anti-aging and it's pro-metabolic and all the reasons. Other people are going to say, actually, I want my cardio. Like I get tired all the time when I'm walking upstairs. It's a different thing. So if you go to the gym and lift, you're not going to fix your cardio problems. So you can have muscles and not go up the stairs. This is a real thing. But if you don't know which one's most important to you, how are you going to fix it? And then the third thing people say that they want is they want their brain to work better. And this is a health goal that you really don't solve in the gym, although that helps a little bit. And for me, this was one of my top goals because I had such bad brain fog in my 20s. My career was taken off. And so fixing your brain is just different. And from there, we say, okay, what about energy? A huge number of people say, I want to get my energy back. And they're the same people usually who say, I want to lose weight. And those are actually the same process. To get your energy back, stop putting electrons into fat storage and put them into your brain. And then all of a sudden your energy comes back. It's amazing how that works. So the final one though, is the one that's probably least likely for people to guess. For the first time ever, since we started doing surveys, not me, this isn't my survey, but since humans have done surveys, people have asked for the ability to manage stress and anxiety more than weight loss. This is how stressed we are. And we're stressed in part because of social media, but we're mostly stressed because of who run governments in every country. Like, I don't care where you live, like there has been abuse of power around the world. And I don't care which side of whatever you're on. Like we just don't force people to do things against their will unless they're in prison. So people are really stressed about that and lack of human connection and all the other stuff that, you know, we could talk about. So people are saying, I don't know how to handle this. And that's okay because you're not alone in that. And when you're stressed, of course you lose your energy. Of course you get brain fog. Of course you get fat. Of course you lose muscle. Of course you lose cardio. So you have to pick one. So how do you know? Did I want my brain to work or did I want my energy back? Or did I want the muffin top to go away? Or did I want muscles? It's actually a hard thing. So in Smarter Not Harder, I teach you how to just pick the top one. And then, okay, now you've got a goal. Let's get serious. I'm going to assume that you have things to do. Maybe you have kids like I do. Maybe you have eight companies like I do <laughs> or New York Times bestsellers and you know hundreds of millions of downloads of your podcast, whatever. I have a lot going on because I'm so lazy. And if that doesn't make sense, we'll talk about laziness in a minute. But because of all that stuff, every minute I think actually matters. And if you're listening to this, every minute of your life matters too. So if you are going to take care of yourself by dedicating 60 minutes per week, how do you get your goals met? And what would happen if you did such a good job of that, that it only took 20 minutes and you took the other 40 minutes and met your second goal. And that as soon as you did that for only four weeks or six weeks, you had so much improvement there that all of a sudden you just felt better. And then you could put that extra energy and the same amount of time into another goal. And all of a sudden you've brought yourself back. In fact, maybe it's not even bringing yourself back. Maybe it's just upgrading yourself. Maybe you've never felt this way. And I know what that's like. I didn't know you're supposed to walk without it hurting. I was always in pain. My body literally hurt all the time. In brain fog, that's just something everybody gets, 
right? I just didn't know because these were factors of my life since I was a little kid growing up in a toxic mold basement. So the fact that my brain can work now, dozens of times a day, I do not have to look for a word. I do not have to open the refrigerator and wonder why I opened it. None of that. If I lose one word, I stop and go, what did I do to cause that? And there's always a reason and I know why. And I don't worry about it, but I just take note of it. This is what's possible. It's a level of vibrancy you would never expect, but the way you get there is what's in Smarter Not Harder, where pick the first one that's most important, like the shining thing on a hill, and you go take that. And instead of walking up the hill and pushing against mud, take the helicopter. It's just easier and you deserve that. And it's okay. And you don't have to struggle and suffer. And those don't make you a better person. You must be able to struggle and suffer when it's necessary. It's just not necessary most of the time when you think it is. And that's why I wrote the book. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise. So you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer-term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Weight gain is one of many symptoms that our hormones are in decline, especially as we navigate perimenopause into menopause. Dr. Anna, who is a great friend of mine, is an OBGYN who's treated thousands of women just like you and I who experience increasing dryness and even pain in the bedroom as they get older. Jolva is the solution Dr. Anna formulated for her own clients, and it has since been loved by over 100,000 women. It's a feminine cream with DHEA that helps the body regenerate moisture from the inside out. 92.8% of Jolva users experienced a significant improvement in the first four to eight weeks. Get 10% off your first purchase of Jolva by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's 
DrAnna.com, Cynthia, and get 10% off your first purchase. Well, I think it's a really important message because I think you and I both see on social media people that are, it's a grind and they call it the hustle. It's the grind. And I remind people that it really should be a whole lot easier than that. And I'm not at all suggesting that hard work isn't worth it. That's not what I'm suggesting. But for your focus of having one thing to focus on at a time allows people to simplify. I'm sorry, but hard work means that you're bad at your job. That's what it means. (laughs) Because if you're good at your job, it wouldn't be hard, right? It means you need to improve. But to intentionally do hard work all the time as a means of improving, that's because our brains are lazy and they're trying to save electricity in our thinking. So here's the fundamental mistake we've made in the world of health and fitness. And it's something that I just tackle head on in Smarter Not Harder. And I call it, this is a really sexy term that your husband will like, it's called slope of the curve biology. And I thought about calling it the spike and being all fancy about it, but whatever. So here's what it is. Because our brains like to take thinking shortcuts to save us time and energy, which is a good thing. I'm happy my brain does that because that works pretty well to keep me alive. Otherwise I'd sit around, you know, at the stoplight going, should I go? And I'm just thinking, you know, it would turn red by the time I could think my way through every possible thing. So like it stuff goes automatically. You don't have to think about it, but slope of the curve thinking means, all right, if I want to be good at doing something like say lifting heavy things, my job is to lift heavy things for an hour because that's more struggling, more suffering. I'm going to lift a whole lot of stuff until I'm completely blown out and I'm exhausted and I'm sweating all over the place. I've got my social media of my shirt dripped through and all that kind of stuff. And I know I'm going to improve because I do that. And then you go take a shower and like you're satisfied. Now that's worthy in terms of working hard and showing yourself you can do it. But if your goal was to actually put on muscle instead of to work hard, maybe there was a way to put on a lot more muscle, like three to five times faster. And if you go to the chapter of Smarter Not Harder, where I talk about all the things we know about putting on muscle, there's a whole lot of hacks, including free ones, things that cost like 50 bucks, or things that might, if you were to go buy the gear, it's gonna cost you 50 grand, or you can come to an Upgrade Labs and do it. The way I structure Smarter Not Harder is the free version, the highly affordable version, and the crazy billionaire version. And I concentrate as much crazy billionaire stuff at Upgrade Labs as I possibly can, so you don't have to go buy all this stuff and invent how to use it. And the differentiator, the thing that's really special about Upgrade Labs that allowed me to write this book is that I've seen enough people come through more than anyone else over time come through. And now I know, do this, then this, then this for you. So we measure your state when you walk in the door, we measure how you're performing in all the gear and we measure your state the next time. So we've got the data that no one on earth has. So anyone can come in, like actually imagine this, you go to a restaurant, but you had a bakery and on the menu, there's water, there's flour, there's yeast and there's salt. And they're like, oh, you want bread? Okay, um, just tell us how much you eat you want. And you're like, I just wanted some bread. Okay, so when you go to a typical place, like it's like, I don't know, what do you want to do? You want to do like a red light or whatever? And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, I want to do the right thing for me based on me and based on my goal. And that was the big challenge. That's why I waited to write the book. That's why I waited to franchise Upgrade Labs until I thought I could help someone who walks in the door. Because Cynthia, if you walk in the door and I walk in the door, we have a few differences. And I know there are probably some people who would argue we have no differences whatsoever, but those are mentally ill people. Because it turns out from a biochemical (laughs) perspective, like there are differences. So we would honor those differences and account for them based on your biology, your age, whether you're tired or not, whether you're inflamed or not, 
uh, where you are in your cycle possibly, and what your goal is. And if your goal was to get ripped and my goal was to have more energy, maybe we would do different things. Right? And so we have to account for all of that. It's hard. And that was why it was worth writing a book about. But what slope of the curve biology shows us is that I'm going to lift all that stuff. What the body will respond to with these hacks is a tiny fraction, maybe 20% of the amount of work that our sweaty guy did. And that'll put on the same muscle or more. And of course, you got the extra 40 minutes back. Actually, it's 48 minutes if we do our math right. So <laughs> what are you going to do with that, right? What I'm going to do if you're at Upgrade Labs, I'm going to plug your brain in to our proprietary neurofeedback device that I've been working on also for eight years that has seven patents backing it because we could also say hurry, meditate faster. And then what? Yes, you can do that as well. And the way the slope of the curve biology works is that if you push a system, any system in your body, right to the edge of failure. And your audience knows that homeostasis is. This is when the body can handle its stuff. So you push it right to the edge of where it's about to lose homeostasis, where it's going to be destabilized. It might take you a couple days or even a couple months to recover from that. You take it right to the edge, but you take it there so quickly, maybe faster than Mother Nature ever even imagined could be done. And then, and this is the big trick, you take it back to calm as fast as humanly possible. So what the body wants to see is, oh, I almost died, because that's what it thinks when you sprint. Literally, it's dumb. It's you know a distributed consciousness of just about trillions of mitochondria. They don't know what's going on. They're dumb bacteria. There's just a whole lot of them, and they all kind of vote with each other to feel like, is a tiger chasing us? Oh, shit, there is one. And when that happens, if you stop and you drop and you lay on your back and you take deep breaths and you think about puppies or whatever it is that makes you chill or chocolate or guacamole, just not kale because it's gross. So you, you think about <laughs> any of these things and you calm down. It's the speed that you calmed down that tells the body to change because from the body's perspective, remember, it's very fast. It's doing this before you can think and it's invisible to you. What it's doing is it's saying, oh, a tiger almost ate me, but now I'm safe and I have adequate nutrients, including minerals, including protein and including electricity because my systems work reasonably well. That means I have enough capacity right now to improve. But if instead you do what we always do in spin classes and, and in bodybuilding and all these things is, well, the tiger's still there because I climbed the hill when the, you know, the instructor is yelling at me and that with you know, Britney Spears playing in the background and ah, you know, you're pedaling really fast. And then instead of stopping and resting like a sane primate, what we do is like, oh, look, let's go you know, cruise for a little while and then do another hill and cruise and do, because more work is better. But the body's like, no, I was going to fix myself, but since I'm still being hunted, oh, and there's a famine because you fed me a freaking kale salad before this class, not real food. It's like, I'm not going to improve. And the difference for one of the many different technologies that I cover in Smarter Not Harder is around doing that for cardio. Two studies out of the University of Colorado show that five minutes of exercise, which includes 20 seconds of hard stuff, no sweating whatsoever, gives you a 12% improvement in your cardiovascular fitness, your VO2 max, it's called. So five minutes a day, three times a week for six or eight weeks, you got a 12% improvement. 12% improvement equals two years more lifespan in those kinds of aging studies. So you could also go for an hour a day, five days a week to spin class. 
<laughs> That's five hours versus 15 minutes every week. And you would get a 2% improvement. So you got six times better results in 15 minutes a week instead of five hours a week. And what are you going to do with the other? Oh, and you didn't have to shower afterwards either because you didn't sweat. So what are you going to do with all the time you saved? Like, are you going to be a better parent? Are you going to meditate? Are you going to write a book? Like, that's a lot of time. Five hours a week, you can have a side gig for that. Like, you do whatever you want. And it's that kind of a thing that kind of just pisses me off. And it's not like we're dumb. All of us know this. Do you know, Cynthia, how much money is spent every year in the U.S. on ghost gym memberships? I don't know. I bet it's $400 million a year people spend on gym memberships that they know they should want to use, but they don't want to use because the return on investment isn't there. So you pay your $29 a month or whatever it is, and you never go, but you know you should go. And even worse, you are taught to feel shame because you don't want to go. And there's a lot of freedom in Smarter Not Harder because <laughs> your meat, your hardware, it is wired by mother nature or God or whoever the heck you think evolved our systems the way they are. It's wired to save energy. Your body, which controls everything you see and hear and feel, it wants to be lazy because it knows a famine could be coming. And why would you waste any energy when you don't have to? It's a great way to keep alive. And it works for turtles, it works for zebras, it works for trees. Don't waste energy. So here you are going, I wanna go waste energy at the gym, cognitively you want to, and your body's like, screw you, buddy. There's a pizza, there's a couch, there's Netflix. And that is biologically attractive. The same way we look at someone who's physically attractive, like, wow, look at those legs. Okay, your body has the same response to the couch, but we feel shame about looking at the couch, go, how could I wanna do that? Because you come from a long line of 2 billion years of life that has survived by not wasting energy. So you have to acknowledge it's not you, it's not bad, it's your body, it's your hardware, and it's for survival. And then you have to trick your body. And that's why it's called biohacking. I love that. And I think it's very affirming to know that we are programmed to behave that way. I think, as you said, appropriately stated, the shameful kind of feeling that many people evoke because they've got this gym membership. They do want to go to the gym. They don't want to go to the gym. They have all these conflicting feelings that make it more challenging for them to commit to five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Now in the book, there's a new term. I have to be completely transparent. I'm very familiarized with HIT, but rehit. I think is again, going back to this efficiency principle, let's talk about that because that really <laughs> had me rethinking, you know, the hit that I was doing once or twice a week, I was like, hmm, this makes a lot of sense. It's called reduced exertion, high intensity training. And it's not really even intervals. So, uh, and there's some graphs in the book that are real interesting to look at and very easy to understand. So it's not, you know, an engineering textbook by long shot. This is a, how do you do it book? Cause that's the only kind I write. Like it has to be actionable. Um, but if we were to do that normal exercise we talked about where you might go for a half hour, 45 minutes, maybe you're on the stair step or whatever you're doing, like the hill climb and then flat and then hill climb. And well, that's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. So about 10, 12 years ago, I started talking about high intensity interval training when the research was coming out, which said, okay, instead you're going to take maybe 15 minutes instead of a half hour, 45 minutes. You're going to warm up a bit, sprint like crazy for 30 seconds or a minute, and then you're going to jog a little while and sprint again. You're going to do it three times. You're going to really feel exhausted when you're done. And then you actually got more benefits than doing the long class. So this was the first step towards understanding slope of the curve and how important it is. And then 
new research started coming out on what is the actual correct pattern for this. And what they found was what I described before. The body wants to get the signal and then recover. That's it. So what we were doing is we were getting too much signal in. And I wrote a little bit about this in one of my previous books after an interview with John Gray, who helped to inspire me. This is the women are from a planet and men are from the other planet, Mars and Venus. I forget who's from what planet. Do you remember? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Yep. Sorry, John. I love your books. I just can't remember (laughs) what planet I'm from. So the whole situation with John is he said, you know, Dave, I noticed during high intensity interval training, if I lay down on my back between intervals, I do better. I'm like, aha, there's a little crumb of truth in that. And then when I found the research from the University of Colorado, it was like, oh, okay, we can use this at Upgrade Labs. And that's what we do with a custom modified bike that's tied into our information systems to program you the right way. What you do then, if you don't have access to an Upgrade Labs, is you go to the park, and you act like you've eaten two THC gummies. So you walk really slowly, kind of like you must be on something because it has to be way slower, like as calm and as peaceful as you can be. And like think calm thoughts, you know, like really chill. And then like set an alarm on your phone or something, something has to just be the trigger. And then you run like you're going to die. And it has to be really fast all out. Even better yet, you have some weight in your backpack. I mean, like literally dump all of your energy in 20 seconds because there is a predator behind you, right? And maybe because you're running, maybe it's 30 seconds because you don't have the bike with an AI control system we do at labs. And then after that, stop and drop. (laughs) Like I said, they're going to think you're on drugs. And then close your eyes and take deep breaths. And if anyone tries to give you mouth to mouth, tell them to go away. But, you know, (laughs) really deep breaths and just calm, peaceful. And then when you feel like you've got your heart rate most of the way down, get up and really gently walk again. Do that twice. And that is going to be so much better than running in circles around the park, breaking your knees and hips. It actually works better, right? And so, yes, it looks funny. Who cares? I mean, have you ever been to any sort of class where people are all wearing a bunch of tight clothes, sweating on each other? They all look funny. It's okay. Like you're supposed to look funny at the gym. So do that. And that's just one example, but the reduced exertion there, how do we push the body to the edge of equilibrium? Well, when I have the ability to measure how much output you're putting on pedals and I have your heart rate, I can do that really well with technology, which is why Upgrade Labs is like so much more effective. And just if your listener is going, what? Yes, ownandupgradelabs.com is where you would go if you wanted to open one in your city. And there, are, there may already be one opening in your city. So my goal is that there will be thousands of these across the US and Canada to start. And maybe we'll do some other country deals. I'm talking with a couple international places. But the idea here is you just want to get it done. And you didn't want to waste one minute of your precious life doing stuff, slogging it out in the gym. And you went there and we gave you a prescription for what technologies to use in what order. And you went in and you did it and you left feeling better than when you came in. And you improved rapidly and you'd have to believe you improved because we give you the numbers, like thousands of measures that tell you, okay, are you stronger? Are you not stronger? Is your system working better? Did your inflammation that you can't see with your eyes go down or did it go up? You can have so much control over your body so that instead of feeling like you're a servant to your body, that you realize that your body 
is something that will respond to what you tell it to do. It doesn't respond because you think about it. That is possible. You have to go into very advanced meditation states like the 40 years of Zen neurofeedback or do like heavy duty holotropic breathing. There are ways to interface with your body, but it's super mystical, spiritual stuff and it's hard to dial in. So assuming you're not going to do that, your body's not listening to you. It might, if you're super, if you're thinking you're really stressed about something, you're probably feeling stressed in the body and then making up a story about it. It's also possible to make up stress in your head and feed that into your body, but that's not that common. Quite often, it's the body feeling stress and telling you it must be something around you, and then you believe that. So, or maybe it's just the government, but that's different. So (laughs) that's how it all works. And I feel like there's so much capacity we have as humans to just do better. It's really exciting. And I would really be remiss. A lot of the questions that I received from listeners that knew we were connecting today were surrounding because they follow you on social media. They want Dave's input on nutrition. And there's some specific areas, obviously, are both shared dislike for kale for multiple reasons. But I start thinking about things in our nutrition or in our diet paradigm that are really the antithesis of health and really the antithesis of supporting our bodies. And I'll give you an example. I think a lot of people, if they've listened to the podcast I've done and you've done with Terry Cochran talking about amyloid and the role with chicken, I think people just assume chicken is completely fine and benign. But it's not talk- a good food. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some of the probably the less common things people may not associate that have some structural or contributory problems that can impact our health negatively. So if you go back about a dozen years when I first published the Bulletproof Diet, and people have lost a couple million pounds on the diet, like it's transformed a lot of the way we talk about some of the nutritional things. And I went back and I reread it, and I talked about amyloids as a problem with cooking. So when you char and grill meat, you form amyloids. And that's one of the things that creates inflammation. And you fast forward to my anti-aging book, which is called a superhuman, I wrote about amyloids as cellular gunk or buildup. And it's one of the seven pillars of aging that I teach people about in that book. And what Terry has discovered is that chicken, in addition to the other problems that we can talk about, that it also forms more amyloids than other animals, which means that if you go back in time, humans were pretty smart. If you were absolutely a peasant, you would eat whole grains, brown rice and gruel, also known as oatmeal. That was basically what they would feed to people who didn't have a choice about their diet, like gladiators who were actually slaves. They were called barley men for a reason because they wouldn't let them eat meat, right? Even though it was better for them. And you go up from there and if you were a peasant who was doing kind of okay, you'd have a couple chickens because you'd at least have eggs and you could eat a chicken occasionally. And that was a big improvement. And from there, the next lowest quality animal is a pig because a pig will eat almost anything and so will a chicken by the way chickens are carnivores they're they'll eat all meat if you let them and a little bit of scratch they're not vegans by a long shot i've been live on a ridge where i lived for years on a regenerative agriculture farm where we're rebuilding soil and we have chickens pigs and sheep and cows but if you're rich enough to have a pig and maybe you sold some of the pig now oh my god if you have some land you can have a sheep or goat red meat finally the proper fat that fuels humans higher quality nutrition and if you're really really rich you have a cow because now you got milk and you have red meat okay but a cow takes the most acres to make the cow but it's the highest quality food right and so chickens are one step above peasant food but they're better than peasant food and right now we have an organized 
campaign of highly traumatized and misguided at best, or maybe sociopathic human beings who are trying to use the dark power of marketing to convince you that eating peasant food is good for you. And the only proper response to that is say, I had my danger coffee, my minerals are back, so I can think for myself, you eat the gruel, I'll eat the steak. By the way, I grounded your private jet. You know, it's interesting um, having had, you know, immigrant grandparents who had gardens and cooked, you know, veal and I mean, everything you can imagine, organ meats. My mom cooked organ meats. She was way ahead of the curve in the 1970s and early 80s doing that. And I think a lot of people are surprised to understand that there is this hierarchy of, you know, poultry and fish. Another thing that you talk about in the book, mycoplastics. And there's also this confounding narrative that's really encouraging people to feel guilty and to feel badly about eating animal-based protein. And I'd be the first person to say that I think that it's kind of a dangerous territory in terms of really looking at the science and really understanding how these different macronutrients impact our metabolic health in particular. Mm. What are your thoughts on dairy? I know you talk about A1 and A2 milk in particular. You know, dairy's an interesting thing and I had to treat it separately and it's still the test of time. If you go to daveasprey.com slash roadmap, that's kind of the bulletproof diet on a one page free thing you just put on your fridge. And in it, I look at dairy separately from other animal proteins. And I tell you, this is the best, the next best is it's all stack ranked. It's, I don't want you to be perfect. I just want you to know where you are on the sliding scale. So if you're thinking that tofu is the healthiest option, chicken would have been healthier than tofu but beef would have been healthier than chicken. So now you have a guide, right? And there's science backing up all the stuff I say in there. Maybe you agree with it, maybe you don't, but whatever, like you want my opinion, that's it in one page that took like thousands of hours to make. So you're asking about some part of that, uh, which was milk. So when it comes to milk, if you tolerate milk, which many, many people don't, some of us have a problem with lactose. You can get around that with enzymes. It's not a big deal. You just have to take enzymes religiously. But many of us have a problem with the proteins in milk called casein. And with casein, A1 cows, the cows that eat corn and soy and grain because they make the most milk, they make a protein that's actually pretty bad for most humans. But it's better than no protein. It's better than brown rice protein unless you're allergic. Or like me, if I eat that kind of dairy, it turns into a morphine-like substance in my body and no amount of coffee or even prescription smart drugs will wake me up from that. I'm just, I'm a zombie. And then I have really bad gas. So it's not compatible <laughs> with me, right? You don't even wanna be around me cause I'm boring and I smell bad. So you may be one of those, but what most people, not most, 70% of people probably will tolerate raw grass-fed A2 milk. And so if you tolerate it, that's great. But many, many, many people don't do very well on it. And for the purposes of just education, after A1 being the worst, raw A2 is kind of the next lower on the list. Above that, that works for more people is goat. And the most compatible with humans that's commonly available is sheep because very few people respond to that. And it's got more protein and it's got more of the good fats. But then after that, the very most compatible from the animal kingdom is camel milk. 
And I was actually an advisor to the largest camel milk company in the US before the FDA shut them down because the FDA hates raw milk, because when they can make people eat powdered milk, apparently they need more prescription drugs. I think that's why they're against it. I don't know why, but there's been a huge war on small farmers over the past 25 years over something as basic as milk. And the bottom line is that no government on the planet has a right to tell you anything you choose to put in your body. And when they try to do that, that is not in the constitution, that is not in any government's power, they are simply acting like your owners. And since you have smarter not harder, you are now a dangerous person who can see the bullshit and you can stop it. Consuming Element on a daily basis is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health. And we know that by consuming proper amounts of electrolytes, it can contribute to quality sleep, which is critical to all of my perimenopause and menopausal patients and clients. We know that magnesium increases a neurotransmitter called GABA that is known for producing calming effects. And consuming adequate levels of sodium can help you sleep through the night because low sodium levels increase cortisol and adrenaline. Additionally, if you are intermittent fasting, it's important to understand that when you fast, two things can dehydrate you. Number one, if your insulin levels remain low, it can signal to our kidneys to excrete more sodium or salt, a process called naturesis. And as glycogen or stored glucose is broken down, the water left over from the glycogen breakdown is urinated out. So if you want to take care of your health in one of my favorite ways, you can consume Element electrolytes. My favorite flavors are grapefruit and citrus, but there are many others to choose from. And if you go to drinkelement.com slash Cynthia, you can get a free sample pack to try them out on your own. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash Cynthia for your free sample pack where you can try all of their flavors. I have finally found the cleanest and best tasting protein powder. It's called Clean Simple Eats. And for me personally, I am absolutely dairy sensitive and I have been able to successfully try their protein powder with no digestive distress. I love this protein powder because it is exactly what it states. It's clean and simple. It's always grass fed with no seed oils, no junky sugary ingredients, no artificial ingredients. And it is also third party tested, non-GMO and gluten free. I think all of you know, these things are very important to me. We know that protein is one of the most important macronutrients. And for many people that are intermittent fasting, they struggle getting in enough protein in their feeding window. And each serving has 20 grams of protein, making it a perfect addition to breaking your fast or using it during the course of your feeding window. They actually have 26 delicious all-natural flavors. Personally, I like the chocolate brownie batter, but they have chocolate mint, they've got cookie dough, and they have a delicious Simply Vanilla, which you can mix with just about anything. My entire family, especially my teenagers, really like the powders, and they also enjoy the clean Simple Eats Clear Protein Drinks, which are also clean and have 20 grams of grass-fed protein each. So if you want to try this new protein powder out, I promise you will not be disappointed. You want to go to www.cleansimpleeats.com and use code wellness20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com 
and use code wellness20 for 20% off your first order. If you try it out, let me know what your favorite flavor is. It's really interesting. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that a lot of people don't, they're not even in a position where they're thinking beyond the obvious. They assume everything in the grocery store is healthy. Or even Um, food. (laughs) Right. A lot of food-like substances. And sometimes when I'm having conversations with patients, it's with the understanding that 90, probably 80% of what's in a grocery store is probably a food-like substance and seed oils and non-nutritive sweeteners and things that we could talk about for days. But I do want to make sure we carve out enough time to talk about cell hacks and neuro hacks and sleep hacks and all these amazing things that are in the book. In particular, I was loving the whole section that you have on vibration plates and breathing, you know, hypoxic breathing, which I found fascinating. Um, I'm sure you've had James Nestor on the podcast. And oh, yeah. His book Breath is a book I've read multiple times, just really completely shifted my perception about breathing. But so let's talk a little bit about cellular hacks, because this in, in particular, just as a kind of a nerdy person, I found it even more interesting than other areas of the book, which was all good. Which one did you find most interesting? Let's talk about that one. I think the induced hypoxia, the hypoxification, you know, and if anyone that's oh. listening, thing, I don't, I don't understand what that is or what that represents, but it's actually something that normal people okay. can actually do. I'll talk about that. You can exercise your cells the same way you exercise the whole system of your body. So if you exercise your whole body, you're exercising the cells in unison. Sort of like think of a, a sheepdog moving like a herd of sheep, you know, kind of like shaping it so they all go in this direction. That's a system. But you can also take an individual sheep and work it out. And you can also work out specific features in your body. And from a cellular perspective, your cell's main job, at least one of them, is to take about 30 pounds of air and some amount of food and turn them into electricity and or fat and or protein and and just to make stuff, including sex hormones and melatonin and all the things that they do. So what would happen if you just turn down the amount of air that instead of 30 pounds of air, there's only 28 pounds of air, would it make less electricity? Yeah, it would. What would happen though, if it didn't do a good job of making electricity when it had 30 pounds of air? And it turns out that's most of our cells. That's metabolic slowness. That's the very beginnings of diabetes or cancer is when the cells stop doing what they're supposed to do with air and food. So one of the cell hacks I talked about and something that we do at Upgrade Labs is you can say, well, spend time at high altitude or have a lot of people learned about blood oxygen levels because of the last three years and all of that. Well, if your blood oxygen levels are low chronically, it's incredibly bad for you. So if you walk around and instead of being 99% saturated with oxygen, your blood's say 90% saturated, you're going to feel really crappy. Your brain won't work. You, You can't make energy. The stairs look incredibly tall and it's just, it's not a good situation. So how do we fix it? Well, slope of the curve biology, always being out of oxygen is really bad for you, but if you could very briefly go from full oxygen down to say 87% oxygen, just in the course of one minute. Yeah, you could do that. And the body would go, oh my God, I'm going to die. But then immediately you go back to full oxygen, slope of the curve biology. It's just another biohack based on this principle. And now the body goes, oh, I guess I should be really good at managing oxygen in case that happens again. But if instead we put you at 90% and had you sit there all day, we'd have to put you in the ICU, right? So it's just a brief exposure followed by a recovery period. And what we're doing at Upgrade Labs is a whole bunch of different recovery technologies. 
So we want you to walk out feeling relaxed because a relaxed body will improve. A stressed body will not improve. So we might, if your goal was to improve your energy, we might use this biohack on you. And then afterwards say, you know what? Let's put you on our red bed, which is a custom made red and other color light thing that does some stuff that's not commonly available. And when you do that, now you're like, just, wow, I feel so really good. But your body is like, okay, I have to be ready next time there's no oxygen because I didn't reach the point where I broke my homeostasis. I just got to the edge of it, but then we brought you back real quick. So this is something that if you don't have all that tech, the breath exercises that you learn about from holotropic breathing, which I did with actually the guy who invented it at an event I put on years ago, that'll do it. You get hypoxia for brief periods of time from rapid, deep breathing. You could do Wim Hof breathing, which is related to that and similar. You could do the stuff James Nestor describes. And all of these are cellular biohacks. And they actually work better than running circles around the park for metabolism also. And you won't hurt your knees doing that. I think it's really exciting. And certainly, you know, for me, you know, going through your book and learning some new things, I'm curious, you know, you do a really great job of, you know, this kind of multi-tiered approach to different ways to support the body, challenge the body. You mentioned quite a bit of supplements. Do you have a favorite set of supplements? I mean, there's a bunch that you mentioned in there. Several of my favorites are in there, but I was curious yeah. to have like Dave's favorites. There's two that I wanted to shed light on. And, and so this will be my likely my fifth New York Times bestseller, assuming the bestseller, whatever deities smile upon me. But uh, so I've written a lot about supplements. You know, there's an anti-aging book. There's a cognitive enhancement book. There's like the metabolism weight loss book. So each of those, I talk about the supportive supplements. So what I wanted to do here was the feeling behind smarter, not harder, is that every minute of your time counts, every ounce of energy counts, and every dollar counts. Like, How do we squeeze it down so the most people can do it? And then that's a different lens on supplements. So now it's which supplements help everything. And the two that rise to the top, or maybe we'll call it three, are not sexy supplements. They're actually boring, but they're the ones most of us are missing. So the first one is minerals. You can take all the exotic nootropics and anti-aging pills you want, which I do, I take all of those. But if you're out of your minerals, then nothing works. The biohacks don't work. Your thoughts don't work. Your meditation doesn't work. Your body feels a state of anxiety and impending doom. And then you feel that, and then you're anxious and depressed because you're out of copper or zinc or you're low on magnesium. So a multi-mineral supplement, there are many companies who make them. This is foundational. And you want to do that before you spend your money on other supplements. And of course, yes, I have one for Upgrade Labs that I think might come out with a book launch. I'm not trying to sell you my supplement there. What I'm trying to do is say, this is one that many companies make. My job is to curate awesome stuff. I find worthy things and talk about it. Well, multi-mineral supplement is so critically important. It's going to take at least three pills. You cannot fit it in one pill. And from there, we get into trace minerals. And this is even a bigger problem because frankenfood, plant-based foods, grains, even like paleo nuts and seeds and oats in particular and corn and soy, they contain an anti-nutrient called phytic acid. And it's as important as lectins or oxalic acid. And all three of those are in chapter one of the Bulletproof Diet from 12 years ago. So I've been focusing on this, but I missed how important phytic acid was until the last maybe four or five years of going deeper. What phytic acid does is it strips minerals out of your body. 
It steals your calcium. It steals your zinc. So even if you take a supplement, even if you eat some dumb plant that you heard was high in minerals, even though the minerals are bound up so you can't get them, you're not going to survive on that. And I was a raw vegan and I was a regular vegan and I've eaten plenty of nuts and seeds. And what I did is I cracked my teeth because I demineralized myself. So Danger Coffee, my newest coffee company, has remineralized coffee. And I wrote a patent on a process to introduce dozens of ionic trace minerals into the coffee. So when you drink your coffee, your body's like, why do I feel so good? It's like, because it has electrolytes and minerals that were lacking and your body's starving for this stuff. So you get it in your coffee. Dangercoffee.com is what that's called. Regardless, you need to get your macro minerals. That's three or more pills a day from a good manufacturer. You need to get your trace minerals. I do like Danger Coffee for that, but you can get trace minerals somewhere. Now you've got minerals in the body, and the only other supplement you need is vitamin Dake, D-A-K-E. And I wish there was a vitamin V, because then I could say vitamin Dave, and it would be funny. But <laughs> vitamin Dake is good, because vitamin D3, we all know by now, gee, that appears to reduce respiratory risk for almost everyone, no matter what the government says. In your country, it doesn't matter. Like, this is actually a fact. And we just realized that sometimes facts aren't what's driving things. So we all know that. But what you don't know is if you take vitamin D without the A, K, and E, it'll put calcium where you don't want it. So you get calcium in your arteries and things like that. So what you want to do is take vitamin K with it. And you want to take vitamin A because it controls how other minerals are deposited. And even vitamin E helps to control iodine. So all it is is the fat-soluble vitamins that only come from eating animal fat. They don't come from eating plant fats. No matter how much you wish it worked, it doesn't. So if you get those and you get enough minerals, which you can't get from plants because the plants won't let them go because the plants are trying to kill you. They just can't do that because they have no arms. So then they just coat their minerals and stuff so you can't use them. So you got to get these in your body and you got to tell them where to go. Minerals, trace minerals, vitamin D. None of those is even slightly sexy, except maybe Danger Coffee. None of those is a trending nootropic. None of those has, you know, a whole book written about it that's hit the mainstream press because they're boring. It's just if you don't have those, the really cool stuff doesn't work. So start there. Put If you have $40 to spend this month, that's where you spend it is on minerals and vitamin D. I think that's really helpful because it's a foundational principle to improving your health. Now, before we finish today, one of the things that I appreciated that you included in the book was talking about the role of trauma and just very briefly, the impact of how this can impact all these other things in our lives, you know, the stored, unprocessed emotions. And so just kind of ending our conversation today, because trauma has been a discussion that has really come up quite a bit over the last year with multiple guests not just people like Gabor Mate, but individuals that are just talking about that's been their journey, their process. For you personally, you know, having a business, being this very successful biohacker, how has trauma impacted the work that you've done, not just personally, but also professionally when you're working with individuals that are trying to improve the quality of their health? Well, as a computer science 300-pound computer hacker, I would have said, what trauma? I don't have any trauma. Look at me. I'm, you know... I made $6 million when I was 26. Of course, I lost it when I was 28. That was traumatic. But like, I don't really have any trauma, except I had birth trauma, which is a real thing. And I would have said it was complete BS until I looked into it and actually did it. So I've done a variety of trauma healing things in my early 30s. It's just part of my journey of moving from being a stupidly successful in my 20s entrepreneur who was running away from failure towards being an even more successful entrepreneur towards my late 30s and early 40s 
And I did that by going towards something that I thought mattered, right? And the difference is letting go of trauma along the way. I've also opened 40 Years of Zen about eight years ago. And 40 Years of Zen is a neuroscience company that now has seven patents on the technology. (laughs) And what we do is we hook electrodes up to your brain, show your brain what it's doing, and run you through what I call the reset process. And the final two chapters of Smarter Not Harder, I teach this to you as best I can without electrodes. Cynthia, the reason I can sit here and do what I can do, in addition to shamanic training, going to the Himalayas and Andes, and all the spiritual stuff that I've learned, I have spent six months of my life, literally six months, where I had electrodes glued to my head for hours every day, looking at my brainwaves and learning how to get control of my brain. And that's how I can have multiple companies in the books and have kids and have relationships and friendships and do a really successful podcast. Um, that's more than a thousand episodes and not burn out and not be tired and hate my life all the time. It's because I dealt with the vast majority of my trauma and I have helped 1500 entrepreneurs come through my program for five days. And I don't really talk about it that way publicly too much, but of course you have to get rid of trauma because what trauma does is it turns on notifications in your brain, like on your phone, you try and use your phone. And if you let everything turn on notifications, like boing, 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 If you're driving and your nervous system notifications like boing, 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 and you're worrying about what your boss thinks and what your partner thinks, and you have this voice in your head that's mean and someone cuts you off in traffic and they did it because you're not worthy and like that's all trauma and it feels real. And, And I talk in Smarter Not Harder why that's happening. It's because your body has a third of a second to make up feelings without your brain involved. And then it hands you those feelings. And if you don't understand that, when those feelings come through, they feel real. And you actually think your boss was mean to you, but in reality, your boss was just busy, right? But the story, you made up a story because you felt something. That's the role of trauma resolution. So I talk about that in the part of the chapter on meditation, because a lot of meditations actually, when you get there, it helps you with dealing with trauma. So I go through, here's the stuff. If meditation is what you want to do, here's the stuff that works better than just sitting in a cave, because that's what we've always done. And if you really boil it down, there's three things we've done to improve ourselves as humans throughout all of recorded time. Pick up rocks, run away from tigers, or sit in a cave. And maybe dancing is a fourth one. You could probably count that. But that's what we do. So maybe we can do a better job of sitting in a cave using all the stuff we know. And that's what I did. I've done, in fact, every five days of 40 years of Zen will put you in the same brain state that takes usually 20, 30 years of daily meditation to get to in five days. So I've done that six months. What are those 12 times? That's why I can do what I do because I dealt with my trauma. And then I learned how to get to other states, but you won't access your states of high performance, your states of divine love, the states of human connection, the kind of maternal or paternal feelings you can have towards your children or your partner towards the world, whatever your thing is. If you're out of your minerals and vitamins, it's very hard to do that. And if you're traumatized, it's hard to do that. So the whole point of smarter harder is do one of these things that's going to make those states more accessible. And then the chapter on meditation, this is what works better than sitting in a cave because I'm actually offended. When I weighed 300 pounds, when losing weight was the most important thing in my life, I spent 702 hours over 18 months going to the gym literally 90 minutes a day, half weights, half cardio, six days a week, even if I was sick, even if I had a date, even if, you know, whatever it was, it didn't matter. That was my first thing. I would wake up and not, I'd sleep two hours if I had to, so I could make sure I had time to go to the gym. Willpower, discipline, struggle, suffering, grit, 
at the end of that, I still had a 46 inch waist. I still weighed 300 pounds. And you can do the same thing with meditation. You know, I've been meditating for five years and I'm still angry at my mom. Dude, it's not working. Like you got to change something. I just don't want us to waste time anymore because we have a choice right now. Like either we improve ourselves as a species system wide or we go away. <laughs> and I'm not talking about carbon dioxide. I'm talking about spraying glyphosate and atrazine and all the other poisons that we are knowingly spraying on ourselves and our children that are destroying the soil, that are creating systemic stress in the world and in humans. We can stop all that stuff. And it starts with getting our systems working and putting energy into resolving trauma. And when we do that, that's really what biohacking is all about. Well, Dave, it is always a pleasure to have you on as a guest. I could listen to you forever. Please let listeners know how to connect with you, how to purchase your new book, which I know will be your fifth New York Times bestseller and how to connect with your podcast as well as connecting with you on social media. Oh, thanks, Cynthia. Guys, I'm at DaveAsprey.com. And of course, I'm on social all over the place. Uh, Lots of followers. I should be easy to find in the algorithms. The biggest thing you could do right now if this interview was valuable is uh, say thanks by picking up the book, even if you're going to read it next month. When you pick up the book right now, it concentrates the sales and it makes all the algorithms happy, which means other people find the book. And if there's a voice in your head that says Dave's trying to sell me the book, I would make more money employing myself pulling shots of espresso at my coffee shop than I would writing books. It is the least profitable thing I do. It takes thousands and thousands of focused hours staying up late at night to write the book. I write books because you're worth it and for no other reason. This is not a part of my business endeavors. This is part of my teaching endeavors. So if you found this conversation useful, buy Smarter Not Harder. Just go onto your app right now and order it or go to your local bookstore and read it because you'll have it around. That makes a huge difference to help other people figure out they can do what they are here to do with less work. I love the efficiency. Thanks, Dave. If you love this podcast episode, please leave a rating and review, subscribe and tell a friend. 